Welcome to Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, we're asking each other, what are you listening to? Catching up on new music, telling our listeners what we recommend these days. You can now listen to episodes of the BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the talkback feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's ask each other, what are you listening to? Talking about new releases and what we like these days. Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, and uh, to make amends a bit for the uh, worst song ever, March Madness competition, we are coming back, our first uh, podcast back is a threefer, and we are doing What Are You Listening To?, which is basically our way of telling you what's good these days uh, through the sea of content and new releases. Uh, so I'm just going to throw out that magical question. Uh, what are you listening to? Well, there's been a, uh, a flood of new records, and um, actually 2019 is, is rounding out so far, thus far, to be a, a pretty good year for music. Um, I'm happy to start if one of you guys wants to kick it off. It's Go fun. for it. So, yeah, I'm going to kick it off with... Um, uh, one of my favorites, if you listen to this pod a few years back, uh, was my favorite album of the year in uh, Big Thief with uh, Adrian Lanker and crew and um, their return to, uh, you know, form. It's one of those bands that I think has is, is just become something of a, uh, a little bit of a juggernaut, you know, three really, really great albums. Um, all sort yeah, it's of first the first three correct it's yeah, three in a row yep three in a row so they've, they've got a triple on their hands and this is a UFOF is the new album and um, you know had a couple singles that came out earlier one of the the album title and then um, cattails that sort of sparked my attention and I think this album in particular kind of follows um, her her last year her, her she did a solo album that I know when was on, high on your list yeah. and uh, I hate to say I, I liked it a lot but I just never quite um gave it an, enough listen so I'll probably go back but I think this album sound wise kind of follows that a little bit more um you know with her, her full band and you know I, I, where the first two albums had a little bit you know up tempo more rockers this album kind of stays along the same pace but she's just a fantastic songwriter um, really draws on sort of a, a tra traumatic childhood, but kind of takes you away to that space. Um, and visually, you know, you sort of get a sense of, of her lyrics, really paints a picture. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a huge fan, um, but I also just think um, one of the most talented songwriters out there and, and, you know, a band that continues to just put out great stuff. I don't know. I think this album has gotten high marks, like all of their stuff. 
I haven't heard as much buzz, but that seems to happen sometimes when you put out three great albums in a row. I think, though, I think, you know, it's pretty universally praised, and I think people are starting to feel like these guys are on to something. Like, this is, this might be someone special, as opposed to, you know, just somebody who, you know, uh, through, you know, their talent, but, uh, you know, kind of had had a had a great early jump i think they're you know they're progressing this one you know unlike the the solo record which was really spare this album's really quiet but i wouldn't say it's i would say it's dense as well yeah no so, definitely the full band brings a lot lot to it it's just tempo wise i felt like it was kind of a continuation of the solo album absolutely not just your uh, average but it, yeah, it was escapee from brooklyn Exactly. There you go. Um, yeah, there's there's been a few of those. Chris Owens of Girls was a uh, religious cult escapee, um, but there there's definitely like there's something to the sort of uh, rawness, and at the same time, the ability. I don't know. There's it's it's a really really difficult trick to pull off to be this uh, exposed and, um, personal, a songwriter without tipping over into the overwrought and, and, um, uh, you know, overly verbose. There's an economy to her writing, uh, which is really, you know, sort of helps bring out the, the personal, uh, demons and, and horrors that she's experienced. So it's, it's pretty great stuff. Yeah. I always find it's like almost reading a good book or a uh, short story and, uh, she does that very well. And it's hard to kind of put that to music that's also enjoyable and good. I'm going to throw one more out before, uh, let you guys jump in, but, um, I'm going to, uh, take myself back to an empty airport hangar, drop some X and, uh, <laughs> you know, lose my mind for a little while with the Chemical Brothers, uh, no geography. And, and I know you guys can jump in on this one as we're all fans. But, uh, wow, what a throwback. I, I mean, a throwback while moving forward. I just, I think these guys are probably them and Daft Punk, you know, sort of my favorite, you know, big electronic dance <clears throat> groups or duos. Um, you've got, you know, Tom Rollins and Ed Simmons, and, uh, you know, this is definitely a group that in 1995 kind of turned me on to electronic music in a different way with, um, you know, Exit Planet Dust and the brothers going to work it out. And uh, just that epic kind of, you know, if they were, you know, a, a rock band, they're, they're kind of the rock band equivalent. They're the Van Halen of electronic <laughs> music or something. Yeah. And, I also uh, give them credit for having one of my favorite album titles of all time, which was the, the third in that uh in that trilogy, which was Dig Your Own Hole. Right. It's a great, great <laughs> title. And, uh, you know, Christian, I think you kind of stumbled upon this one first. I was about to jump on a plane and uh, threw it on early morning and, and, you know, instantly had a you know shot of adrenaline. And I got to say, like, you know, not everything they put out is, is probably as good as this album. This is a really, really solid album. But they also just tend to kind of really continue to keep that you know ear to the ground groove and and dance floor sort of aesthetic while creating very very large you know stadium style um big beat dance dance tracks um jump in guys if, if you like this album as much as i do absolutely no i mean they're, they're so, it's full of the sort of club bangers that you come to expect from these guys um and 
you know, I think that one of the interesting things to me is is sort of as a fan of um, the of DJ duos uh, across the board. You know, whether everyone from Disclosure to Daft Punk to Air to Chemical Brothers, there is something about you know that sort of chemistry. Um, and I'm not just talking about the MDMA kind, um, but but the chemistry that takes place between you know two two people who are really sort of weaving beats together, I guess. And um, you know, I, I think in this case, uh, the, it's sort of it's so characteristically or or um, it's sort of emblematic of of I think a British style um that that you know along with basement jacks like is somehow able to like to to thread that very difficult needle of um <clears throat> of putting you know great sort of um of uh like experimental and club and um and and house music uh together with what i can only describe as like the sort of riotous like jock jams um and there's something like yeah. almost yeah. goofy about a certain quality that like an apex twin is is like the pinnacle of this you know um and and, and prodigy like does does an incredible job as well um of like of kind of like weaving football culture into um <clears throat> Uh, by which I mean, you know, soccer culture, uh, obviously, yeah. but like weaving like, that into like, like the the sort of fabric of like uh, of of this you know awesome house music, and I I think like they just th- there's just something like so fun and energetic about that to me. Yeah, it's super positive, and it's um, you know I mean it's shout alongs. Yeah. You could you know put these you know, but also uh, you know otherwise known when they're boiled down, and it's just pop yeah, hooks. And, and to be really clear, like it's, it it's, you can do that badly. Like I'm not, you know, this is this is not like a tolerance. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's there's. <laughs> I'm not like 129 stands in Vegas. <laughs> I'm in no way like overly tolerant of that kind of thing. Like I think it's a, you know, it's it's like to, the emphasis is on how difficult a needle it is to thread, um, and you know you can fuck it up and sound like Chumbawamba or something. Um, <clears throat> Which you know, obviously a different sort of group altogether. But like you know, you can you can sort of do the the stadium hook thing. Um, but I think what's so awesome about these guys is that they're like they're clearly such incredibly gifted, um, you know, DJs and musicians um, and sort of musical minds uh, that that you can explore some of those like motifs without actually getting too far into the shtick of it all. And, like, uh, Disclosure, I think, is, like, really the, the sort of, they're inheriting the mantle of, of that um, in the last few years. They've done an incredible job with that as well. Yeah, they're And their forebears, their forebears being friend of the podcast, Andy Absolutely. Weatherall. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm psyched. I mean, we're going to go, uh, we're going to go see them um, at Forest Hills yeah. in uh, in August, which... Brother, brother, brother. Brother. Live at... Brother, uh, brother, brother uh, is lost in the outer parking lot um, on a bunch of... Uh, <laughs> took too much... <laughs> took too Somewhere much of some... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to, to paraphrase... To paraphrase uh, Jarvis Cocker, somewhere, somewhere in a field in Hempstead. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Well, no, it's, I, I would say off that album, I love Gravity Drops. Like, that to me... I mean, that song is, like... It's so... It's such a weird sort of series of industrial sounds. Um, it's, it's great. It's fabulous. Yeah, Gotta Keep I'm, On is amazing. Yeah. The opener eve of destruction is amazing. And uh, we should probably listen to one of those tracks before we get into your guys' albums. What do you think? Uh, absolutely.
All right, welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod, and uh, this is one of our favorite things to do, to talk about what we are listening to and uh, what's kind of great right now. So, um, Christian, what, what are you listening to? Yeah, I wanted to start off uh, by highlighting two bands um, who were a year ago, actually, um, I think unknown to me, uh, but but only in you know only in name. I they sort of crossed my peripheral radar, but but really um, weren't weren't acts I'd heard of. Both of them, uh, not well, neither of them from the East Coast. Um, one is uh, the first Bars of Gold, um, a Detroit band. They're a sort of experimental punk com- uh, combo of members from the Detroit, like, instrumental jammers, uh, wildcatting, and uh, post-rockers, Bear vs. Shark. Um, so a band after my own heart, um, when, when someone told them to drop one of their three guitarists after their debut album Wheels came out in 2013, they did what any good rock band should do, and they hired a fourth guitarist. Um, and uh, their latest album, Shelter, is, you know, I think it's a, it's a punk album at heart um, with really sort of versatile, like, accomplished instrumentation um, circling around like these fits and starts of, of like anxious uh, uh, vocals from from a guy uh, from Mark Paffy. Um, so on the musical side, I think like the the first impression that you get of this album is really sort of like big, bold, splashy instrumentation. Um, you know these like uh, great sawtooth kind of guitar and bass hooks that that are you know heaving around um, uh, among all these like uh, sort of yelps, as I said from from Mark Paffy's vocals. Um, and, you know, and then you've got these like drums that are constantly snapping back and forth between sort of arena rock maximalism and like, you know, huge stadium shit. Um, and, uh, this sort of super tight in the pocket, like military type restraint. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not at all a one trick pony. Um, you know, you get like your double shot of, of post-punk energy, um, uh, sort of like receding back, you know, periodically, and and you're actually sort of presented with these like pretty delicate melodies, which are which are really cool. Um, and so, in in a song like Beans, for instance, you have um, uh, heavy like uh, you know sort of this like cloud of of um, you know uh, like dust, as I imagine it. Guitar noise. Well, like this, this sort of dust cloud, like kicked up by you know these like super um, this sort of pummeling drums and and furious guitars um and then it sort of it just it dials back like into the background it's and it it you know perfectly it it feels effortless somehow around the one minute and 30 mark and and then you get this sort of like um really charming sort of like little synth bass line um that sounds that reminds me of wilco's heavy metal drummer like it's it's a this is a this is a, a like a mature and intelligent band um, with a lot of different creative channels and resources. Cool. Um, and I think they're, they're really not afraid to kind of let it loose on the same album. It's, it's, uh, I mean, the fact that they are a side project of these two other bands, and like Bear vs. Shark has a, a dedicated following. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's easy for me to see why listening to this. I think um, these guys are not super prolific. Um, most of them have gotten married and had kids between their first album and this one. Uh, so that sort of explains the six-year delay. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think, you know, they are making good on the, um, on the, you know, small amounts of, of sort of indie press cred and, and, um, that they got for, for that, for, for that debut. So I would say the highlights off this are, um, worthless chorus. Uh, now just to toss this out there, Mark Paffey, the, the, um, lead singer, as I mentioned, uh, 
he is quoted as saying, I have to be honest, this is a 70s rock song with an ending that makes me want to crawl in a swamp. Uh, and that's a good thing. Um, it was the natural first song for the record. And, you know, I like that quote because I think it sort of correctly captures, like, the, the beefiness of the tune, as I, I mentioned earlier, um, which, which opens up the album. Uh, and, you know, it feels like it would be totally appropriate bursting out of 25-foot-high speaker stacks. But, but the, the cool thing is that, and this is where I don't think he's actually giving his own song enough credit, um, is that it doesn't, like, it doesn't just sound like a Sabbath tune from the 70s. It sounds like Fugazi covering a Sabbath tune. Um, and the only way I can explain, uh, you know, it, it really, that is the only way I think I, I can explain it. I mean, it's, it has this sort of like very early 1990s sensibility, but like the trappings of, or the, the instrumentation and like style of, of sort of bigger 70s stuff. So I really, really think you guys should check this out. Worthless Chorus is a great track. G is a great track. And then the final track on their album is, um, called Sometimes, parentheses, single edit. So, of course, I'm glad that they tacked on, uh, as, at the tail end of their album, the, the single that they first released. So um, that's, a, that's a really great album. Uh, and and I, I encourage everybody to, to give it a listen because I really, it, it just, I haven't heard much about them. And, and they, deserve, um, they deserve the attention. Attention. Yeah. So uh, I would, I, I would um, also point to um, Feels, Post Earth. Um, which is uh, an album that I know you guys have listened to as well, and, and that's uh, fronted by Lena um, Geronimo, uh, incidentally the daughter of Devo drummer Alan Myers, um, which I did not know until recently, <laughs> uh, who's alongside her, uh, Shannon Lay um, and uh, Amy Allen and Michael Perry Roods. Um, they are a California garage band, um, a sort of shredding guitar-driven pop, uh, their 2016 debut, self-titled debut, was produced by Ty Siegel and released on um, OC's frontman John Dwyer's indie imprint Castle Face. Um, so, you know, th- to me, that's just like, that's a pretty swell pedigree. Seal of yeah, approval. Totally. Um, and, you know, I-, I think there's no question that they tuned up and, like, grew up in suburban garages. Um, but I think... Uh, they didn't sound at that time like a band that was all that concerned with the fate of civilization. Not that you have to be. Um, but I think now, you know, there's sort of this, this album is brimming with like political energy and, um, you know, there's really no way to misunderstand lyrics like all smiles, DJT, war dogs on the street, the land of the free one nation under fraud. Um, so, you know, if, if, you know, take into account the sort of anti-Washington punk ethos, um, and uh, certainly a, 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 a lot of reflection on, I think, the, the treatment of women in the music industry um, as, as three of the bandmates are, are women um, that sort of calls up some, uh, some Riot Girl as well. So I think, um, you know, musically, it's, there, there's not really a, a central unifying uh, conceit or theme to this album, so I think that's probably uh, its its weakest quality. But for the most part, um, all of the different sounds I really like. Uh, so you know, here I'd say the highlights are Car, um, uh, Awful Need, and Find a Way. So um, check that out. And you know, wh- what do you guys think about Feels? I know you've you've checked it or you've listened to it uh, before, Wyndham. Yeah, I, I I really like it. I um, despite the subtlety of the yes. lyrics and the uh, the difficulty I had scratching the surface of meaning. Um, no, I really like the sound. It's big and uh, you know it's fun and freewheeling, as you said. It, it just uh, it doesn't you know it doesn't um, 
you know, it's not going to be surprising when you find out that there are, you know, there's a linkage to Ty Siegel and, and Dwyer to, to think no. that, uh, that it's going to sound Yeah, I think what way, surprised so me, it, I, I like it. Starting with this album and thinking back, um, what surprised me a little bit was, like, I, I didn't actually expect them to be an L.A. band for some reason. Um, I think uh, it has more of a... It feels like they are from a, a tighter community than the one that I often imagine. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, like, that, that Southern California garage scene is pretty... Um, it's it pretty is, tight. It has been. It it's a lot of it's rallied around been. Siegel and, and, you know, John Dwyer. Those guys mm-hmm. have, have really been incredible champions of uh, younger Michael musicians. Michael Cronin. And, yeah. yeah, Michael Cronin, a.k.a. Ty Siegel's <laughs> bass player. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I like that, all that stuff. All right, you want to take a quick break and listen to some? Uh, which would yeah, you prefer? Feels um, or pro- yeah, no, let's come in okay. and uh, do, let's, let's hit Worthless Chorus. So that was Worthless Chorus uh, by one of my new favorite bands, Bars of Gold from Detroit. Um, we are doing What Are You Listening To here on the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, and uh, I have been pondering lately, Wyndham, what are you listening to? Well, thank you for asking. Um, I have been listening to Wise Blood, Titanic Rising, um, and I've been listening to it a lot to the point where it comes on and I keep thinking it's an album from 30 years ago that I really liked um, because it has a sort of timeless quality. It's a, a woman named Natalie Merring from uh, Santa Monica. It's her fourth record. It's on Sub Pop. And it's, it's got a lot of the same, a lot of the think qualities that I love uh, from like the turn of the millennium Amy Mann records like the uh, Magnolia soundtrack, um, the sort of thoughtful... And I guess for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say, like, very warm vocals. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's not, there's no yelling. It's a, it's a, it's a very well sung record, but there's no sort of vocal Olympic to it. It's, it's the conveyance of a song rather than, um, you know, a showing off of a voice and, uh, beautifully like sort of convert conversational type lyrics, uh, I, as you guys have noticed and mentioned, I have been on, I think you, I think you were kindly referred to it as a uh, lady music kick <laughs> this year, uh, between my love of Mitski and, and this record. Um, but they really are, they're my two, you know, that, uh, Mitski's record was tail end of last year, but, uh, this, this album is, is a very, very clear cut favorite 
uh, early candidate for album of the year for me. It's there's something that's that's very current about it, and at the same time, and I'll repeat myself, very timeless. It it almost has the same quality that I think of when I think of like those singer songwritery records from the '70s, like Rita Coolidge and Linda Ronstadt. Um, and and uh, Carly Simon even early you know when when she was still writing great stuff, um, it's a, there's like a confidence, but a melancholy to it, and it's sort of the melancholia comes from life, uh, but the confidence comes from the knowledge that I think that they knew that they were writing great songs, and I think this album has that uh, same. DNA of this is somebody who really knows that they're doing something extremely well. It the ones that I guess the other one that I would sort of put in this category is is Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins Rabbit for a Coat. Um, but even this is like a warmer recording. I, I love this album. And uh, you know, I was gonna point out some standout tracks, and then I realized I was just listening, listing the uh, the track listing, but a lot's gonna change Andromeda every day. Every day, very much the would be the obvious radio song, like Mitski's Nobody. But at the same time, in the course of the album, it makes a lot more sense than it does standing on its own as a as a single on on your local AAA radio station. So, uh, Wise Blood, Titanic Rising. I'm going to see her next Tuesday. Really looking forward to it at the Sinclair in Cambridge. Um, but like I said, thus far my favorite album of the year. I'm going to join you at that show. I really like this album, too, when you turned me on to it, and uh, I just kind of started tapping into it, but uh, I agree. You'll stay there for a while. Yeah, and I, I think, to your point, it's kind of an album album, and uh, I really enjoy that when you like the Minsky record. Like, you know, you might get hooked on a song initially and go back to it a few times, but then, um, you know, it really stands up just start to finish. Mm. And... So the other album that I'm going to bring up that, you know, I think we are all going to chime in on is, is the new Vampire Weekend record, Father of the Bride. Vampire Weekend, as everybody uh, knows, and a lot of press, you know, an inordinate amount of press has been uh, given this past uh, release. This yeah, the, is tied the for multi- uh, Game of Thrones finale as far well, as yeah. press and media attention. <laughs> they're one of those groups that's like just permanently, um, they're uh, multi-platinum "Quote unquote indie artists, <laughs> like yeah. you can never escape the mantle of being an indie rock artist. Um, but you are as popular as literally any pop act. I mean, they sell out yep. Madison Square Garden. So what? What else are you going to do? They have the number one album in America. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, they're up there in the Ariana Grande uh, tier, you know, level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's funny. This is uh, uh, they they as is sort of uh, becoming more and more common, they put out what I thought was about half the record before the record came out. I realized once the record came out that it was a third of the album, um, as it's an 18-song double album. But uh, they put out six singles before they before they put out the record. And I remember uh, hearing Harmony Hall, which I think is easily one of the best songs they've ever done it's just a phenomenal song but i remember hearing it and then all of a sudden that grateful dead guitar solo came in and it's unmistakably a jerry garcia guitar solo i mean there's nothing there's no way you can listen to it and and hear anything but that that influence but thinking oh shit maybe they've gone full-on grateful dead but still ezra koning's talent 
for songwriting and melody is is too strong to to really go down any one path so to, completely to completely uh, lack melody and uh, yeah. and song structure. I mean, you know, and everybody always compares him to Paul Simon, which is completely understandable. But, you know, one of these days someone's going to have to just admit that he's not entirely derivative. The guy's just really, really good at writing pop songs. Yeah, he's a great songwriter. I mean, I think this album's gotten a ton of press. I will say that I uh, early listen, um, you know, the first six tracks, I think, flow together really, really superbly. And, and, um, and, it, you know, it, it was one of those things with Ross Dam leaving. I really liked Modern Vampires of Night. I, you know, people seem to really put Contra up there as, as one of their best albums. I actually thought their last album was probably my favorite. Um, and But I, I like these guys all along. I know there's, like, you know, controversy around, you know, liking them, disliking them, whatever. In general, I just think they make good music. You know, they're not my favorite band. I've seen them live and, you know, I've been a little bit underwhelmed. But I do think that... I can pop on a Vampire Weekend record and, and be totally, um, you know, caught by the hooks and by the songwriting and, and the sound. I think they're good. And uh, I do think this album is too long. And I kind of like had a premature sort of uh, review after, you know, in my car, like I said, listening to maybe the first five or, or six, maybe seven tracks, just driving loud, sunny day. And I'm like, oh, this is really good again. Like they've done it again. And then um, I do think the album kind of drops off. And uh, gets a little slow and a little, uh, you know, monotonous. Noodly. But I, I don't even find the jam band comparison that relevant. You know, I, I, I know jam bands and... and um, yes, you do. Like, yeah, you sound love jam like bands. these guys. And uh, so, you know, I That's, get it. I mean, I'm sure these kids have been... Or not kids anymore. Um, these guys are probably, you know, like all young people. Like your generation is bringing back the Grateful Dead, by the way, Christian. Thank you. Fuck you. Um, but... Um, you know, it, I, I think deservedly gets a, a ton of press and I think they're huge and, and I think they're really good. And I think this album's totally uh, a good listen. And I just, I found it to kind of just die at the end. And, and when you're, you have 18 songs, that's a little too bad because it, it could have been a greater, I think a much better, shorter album. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it screams like a lot of mid-career, you know, uh, super talent, like for an editor. I mean, mm-hmm. again, this is across yeah. music and, like, books. film and books. Yeah, it's just, like, mm-hmm. just just whatever you think the top 18 tracks are, pick the top 14. Yeah, whatever scene you can't live without, live without live it. Live without it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, like, but it wouldn't make the cut. It would throw everything into, like, out of balance. No, it probably wouldn't. Like, you yeah. know, the rest of us haven't listened to it 10,000 times, so. Your chakra will be safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save it for save it for the next one. Um, but no, it is good to see that they survived the departure of uh, of their sort of you know musical thunderkin um, and Rostam. Yeah, I mean you know I think they they clearly have a lot of the pop sensibilities um, and and certainly the chops. Uh, so you know I liked a lot of it. I, I thought it was good. I think it has a couple of songs that are some of their best. Um, and I think that there's a little bit too much dicking around. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, let's, uh, you want to take a quick break and come back? Yep. Sounds okay. Good. 
took a vow in summertime Now we find ourselves in late December I believe that New Year's Eve will be the perfect time for their great surrender But they don't remember Anger wants a voice, voices want to sing Singers harmonize But every time a problem ends, another one begins in the stone walls of harmony. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Jerry, you've got a couple of others, uh, one semi-super group, I guess, and then uh, a couple of others that are uh, sort of um, different genres. So uh, what are you listening to? Yeah, if you want to call uh, sort of a folksy, folksy super group, I suppose. But um, yeah, this, these days, uh, definitely Phoebe Bridges is, is seeming to like expand and, and work with a lot of folks. She, uh, you know, last had the Boy Genius record, which was... Um, great and uh and this year teamed up with connor obers for oblivion um sorry better oblivion community center <laughs> and uh not you know kind of a mouthful of a title but uh I, i've always been a bright eyes fan and, and connor obers fan i haven't necessarily trekked with him on on everything he's done but i really liked you know some of his the earlier bright eyes stuff um and uh i think phoebe bridges although um not super in tune with her solo stuff uh, you know has a beautiful voice and adds a lot um to whatever she's singing with i really like that boy genius record a lot and kind of a, a interesting mix you know where boy genius was you know three women that could all sing um connor Robert certainly can sing but has kind of a nasally uh you know delivery that benefits quite a bit from teaming with her and uh I don't know. It's just it's a good album, you know. Sometimes I, I kind of wince when these types of things happen because they're generally not that great. And um, I would say that, um, you know, another album that I like to pop on kind of start to finish. And um, it's, you know, I think it's getting – it got a lot of press. They're on tour. Um, but I really highly recommend this record. It's, it's great. And – and sorry, and then jumping over to a totally different genre, um, <clears throat> I really like the new Anderson Pack um, album, Ventura. Um, you know, he's a drummer, singer, producer, rapper. Uh, this is kind of a, a second. I think last year was Malibu was the name of it, or maybe it was <laughs> two years ago. And um, I didn't love that record, but I, I am really enjoying this record. I feel like it's a. Uh, it's, it's kind of what I look for in that sort of soul music genre where you, you have kind of a, a, a nice nod and throwback, but then you also are getting just a, a more modern sound and more danceable sound. Um, I, I, I know you guys kind of felt the same way about the last one, but um, I definitely recommend you, you jumping into this one. You know, Come Home, the, the title track is great, um, featuring Andre 3000. I really love the song Good Heels, and um, I also would say... Uh, 
you know, Nate Dog. We can featuring Nate Dog. We can do. What can we do? Our standout tracks. But it's another one that you know is definitely gonna be an album we're playing as, as the weather has finally warmed up here in uh, in Boston and we're seeing sunshine again. It's and your then, summer album. It <laughs> exactly. Was, it was funny you you phrased that quite, quite like that because I like you you were saying that the name of the name of the song was What Can You Do? Is it featuring Nate Dog. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, only because I like it. It came across as like the question is like what what can you do featuring Nate Dog? And I was like, you can do fucking <laughs> anything featuring Nate Dog. I was like, you that guy, much can. that guy is gold. <laughs> like, get him on your album. I want him on a feature track. <laughs> I agree, and uh, you know, kind of cool. Smokey Robinson also does a song on this with him, so it's oh, um, cool. it's a it's a cool album. I think it's really good, and, and kind of after all the. Um, you know, sort of hype that uh, the last album had, and, and I just didn't get into it. Um, might have been great, it just wasn't my thing. I think, uh, you know, this one lives up to sort of the hype for sure, and I think it's one of the best albums so far. And then lastly, I'm just going to throw a shout-out to uh, the Julia Jacqueline album, Crushing. Not super familiar. I think she had an al- she's an Australian singer-songwriter, um, had an album last year um, or maybe the year before called uh, Don't Let the Kids Win, which is a great album cover, by the way. <laughs> album title, by the way. And uh, this is like the record I wish my daughters were listening to right now after suffering through uh, Lil Nas's, um, Nas X's country <laughs> hit over the weekend and, and other numerous shitty pop songs. Um, I think she's a really good songwriter, uh, very like, you know, fem- feminist and, and, you know, kind of clear cut, but it, but in a, in a playful, you know, funny and also, um, you know, kind of deep way and, and catchy. I think the music's really catchy. Lyrics are great. Um, you know, there's a, one of my favorite standout tracks is Pressure to Party. And uh, I think you guys would like this album a lot if you haven't already listened to it. I'll check it out. I really enjoyed it. Is yeah, it I think it's uh, sort of Alex Leahy-ish. Or no, no, it's, no, it's more kind of more Sharon Van Etten. Yeah, okay. but has you know a little more. Yeah, I'd say Sharon Van Etten kind of that world for sure. Or even a little Angel Olsen. Um, yeah, a, Angel Olsen, good call. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think she's. That's she's, actually who I was thinking when I said Sharon Brown. <laughs> um, Angel Olsen is definitely a good comparison. Yeah, she's uh, she's a real talent, um, and hopefully she breaks here. I think she's I think she's very close um, to to you know having somebody fork over the cash to uh, to tour her through the states. So. Um, nice. Yeah. So that that's what I thought about Alex Leahy too, and then I saw she keeps doing I, it. You know, Jared. Jaren and I went to see her at Great Scott and said, oh, we'll yeah. never see her in this place again. And, and then, lo and behold, she's playing there again. Yeah, so, I mean, she's... But I think she's getting some good opening slots this summer. I think so, too. And I think it takes... I think it's just going to take an extra year to break her. Um, but but I agree mm-hmm. with you. She uh, she's actually just has a new album out as well. Um, right. Wasn't going to mention that just because we've we've talked about her before a bunch on this pod. But uh, but that's actually worth checking out, too. She's um, She's a solid... Uh, she's a she's a very solid performer oh, okay. and yeah so cool uh, so Christian right. yeah what are you listening to all right well let me um, go on and, and round out my uh, my last two albums and then I want to talk about a couple of uh, singles um, and uh, a few things that that lie in store for us later this year that I'm pretty excited about um, the first is a, a band called Versing um, the album title is Ten Thousand and I would say. You know, I often, uh, if, if there's a cliche I have to be wary of um, in our in my uh, 
career as a, a music journalist here, um, it's describing things as noise rock for anxious people. Um, but I would say this is noise rock for, but not for angry or necessarily even anxious people, um, which uh, which I know is a really uh, a, a really like you know polished turn of phrase. So um, maybe I won't ever use that again. But uh, either way, I think Versing's sort of clamor is it's like it's not it's not the kind of like overwhelming, um, you know like keep you pressed up against a wall noise of like a lightning bolt or um the kind of like uh industrial hellscape like big black sound um that that comes out of those drum machines um it's not really a mark of aggression i don't think so much as like an indicator of sort of a almost like euphoria um and uh i think the the it, it, this is definitely like a throwback sound um and you know the the band's like verse chorus instincts are very very much um in tune with uh the sort of uh like 1988 sound and i think they are probably too pop too structurally pop um to to be like to to quite survive a sonic youth comparison um but guitarist singer daniel salas's voice you know i think is is like like he is definitely modeling himself off Thurston Moore in that respect, um, for for better or for worse. So it just has like an air of familiarity to it, um, which is uh, which makes it easy to, to to sort of incorporate into the rest of the music. I think, um, and you know, the fingerprints of Daydream Nation, uh, Greece are are all over this thing. Um, so you know, I think that particular touchstone is one of a bunch, as I mentioned, from 1988, um, as actually the band's own press materials point out. Um, this was not a, uh, this was not a particularly original take on my part. Um, but, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty evident, um, when you listen to it, you know, Dinosaur Jr.'s Bug, um, like the sort of thick and melodic and, you know, all these, um... Sludgy. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, uh, all of it kind of makes sense when you when you get the punchline that Salas met guitarist Graham Baker and bassist Kirby Lochner uh, and, and drummer Max Keys um, via their college radio job at KUPS uh, in Tacoma, Washington. Um, granted, we're talking about different eras of college rock here, but like these people are living through a different time and, and you know and crate digging through a different era um, and. Uh, you know what? There's absolutely nothing wrong with making great new songs in a genre that has never, to me, felt spent. Yeah, never gotten old. Yeah, so keep going, you know? Um, yeah. And then the, the other... The Puget Sound shout-out, first ever. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other album I wanted to talk about, though, um, which uh, which is probably a little bit more familiar to, to some of our listeners, they've been getting quite a bit of buzz lately, are the Irish post-punkers, um, Fontaine's D.C., uh, their album Doggerel, um, which, you know, I think infuses a sort of generational bitterness with um, a traditional, like, very British and Irish, like, folk romanticism, I think, that sort of puts them right at home coming out of Dublin. And, and these guys join Shame and Idols um, as sort of the mm-hmm. new marquee names in a, in a generation of, of rock that's really bellowing out of, of Britain and Ireland right now. Um, you know, I think the, the conceit of the lyrics of this band, like, they're not, it, it doesn't have quite, like, the, the sort of revolutionary, um, like, decapitate the government fervor uh, that Idols has, nor does it have the sort of festering, like, 
um, self-loathing uh, sort of like beha- behavioral minutia of, of shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is much more anthemic than that. Right. It, it's not. It's not raging against the state so much as it's like. And this is where this is where you know there are going to be a lot of comparisons. I think to the sort of the atmospherics of it feel more like the Smiths or maybe. Um, and not the sound, but like the the, the lyrics the, the, are painting a picture of like fading local communities and like a sort of sadness about a culture that's in danger of being crushed and like sort of you know wasted by modernity. I guess is that yeah the 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 obvious comparison to me and and you might not be as familiar with them because um, they didn't ever really resonate here in the states was is the Manic Street Preachers yeah um, yeah that's there's good, a man. lot of there and the, obviously the latter iter- the Nicky Wire latter iteration iteration not the uh, um, you know not the Richie Edwards um, I they're another tell band them apart. well Richie Richie Edwards uh, you know it, it was a sort of a Joy Division New Order thing yeah, Richie okay. Edwards disappeared and, and literally was never found um, oh, still maybe missing. he joined and maybe he founded Fontaine's DC. He might have, but uh, but once they dropped down to being a three piece as opposed to a four piece, they became this very voice of the working class kind of uh, anthemic. Yeah, um, you know, kind of. I mean, Arcade Fire owes a lot to Mannix. In a um, weird way, yes. I think like the, the the descriptions, like the way they talk about culture, remind, also it reminds me of the Fall a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's like been a very popular point of comparison because musically they also sound a little bit like that. Um, and I think that like I, I guess what I was struck by was after hearing all these comparisons to Idols and Shame, I had like a certain idea in my head of what it was going to sound like. Um, and I think yeah, the the sort of raw like twin guitar attack is is way more like jangly than it is jagged and angry. Um, and it sort of nods to like '60s garage and surf and early rock and roll. So I like check out the highlights. Like Boys in the Betterland is great. Sha 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 is mm-hmm. great. Um, you know these guys are are really a talented bunch. And I, I think I want to use that to segue into the singles section where I just want to toss out three things. The first is another Irish band, um, Just Mustard. Um, the, and I think, by the way, this is uh, ultimately to say that I think um, it is it is high time that we we get together and uh, put Start put to- free names. Well, no, put together a, a an episode focused on on Irish rock because you know there, there's just so much exciting music coming out of that country right now, um, and it really does, in my mind, I think, um, begin with a, a sort of incendiary like in- inventiveness of girl band. Those guys just, mm-hmm. like, they finally fucking hammered the last nail into U2's coffin. Um, <laughs> and those people are finally free to make good post-punk music again. Um, but, no, so in, in Just Mustard, uh, vocalist Katie Ball has, like, these two or three minutes of, like, pretty sexy, feverish vocals um, over, like, a drugified uh, drumming. And then this, like, fucking awesome guitar sound, um, like, just effects pedals like you know different effects that i can't like imagine in combination sort of searing itself into the spine of this track um and it just like the tension just ratchets up and up and up and like until it ends um and it's just you are left with like this really weird like uh sort of sense of discomfort um that that something is very sinister is afoot. So, um, you know, I think I'm excited about this. Oh, th- I'm sorry. 
the new track is called Frank. Um, so, uh, and just mustards, Frank. That's a yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, as opposed to um, uh, what was girl band song was Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that there's like a a, a conscious um, like debt that's being paid by a lot of these younger bands to girl band right now. Um, mm-hmm. So then I would, I would move on to say Howlin' Pell Almkvist asked oh, and nice. answers Did you miss me, baby? Here I am. <laughs> Howlin' Pell along with compatriots Swedish troublemakers Chris Dangerous Dr. Matt Destruction Vigilante Karlstrom and Nicholas Arson <laughs> are back with a vengeance. He explained, uh, Howlin' Pell Almquist, that is, in a recent um, interview with NME, that this first single, I'm Alive, is a song about crawling up from under a rock and obliterating all resistance. That sounds like crawling up from under a rock and obliterating all resistance by a band that is crawling up from under a rock and obliterating all resistance. (laughs) The Hives are alive and well, uh, and they will be coming out with an album later this year, and I am really fucking excited about that. Who knew? Yeah, I love this band. Um, they really can't. No, they're great. Yeah, they just, they rip. Um, killer live band. I'm just, I'm excited to have them back. And then the very last one is a new single by Kyle Kraft, a sub-pop artist um, called Too Ugly for New York. Uh, he had an album last year called, uh, called Full Circle Nightmare, um, which is really good. Flew under my radar at the time. Um, you know, I think he's one of the most interesting and talented new artists uh songwriters of the last couple of years as well and he's got that sort of like retro analog music journey that um, is very natural uh, and doesn't seem contrived which is an extremely tough act to pull off I think in the like self-consciousness of of today's musical climate and you know I would say for an example of both the good and the bad versions of this um, you only have to look as far as one band and that's Foxygen Uh, we are the 21st century ambassadors of peace and magic their their debut album fucking rocked Um, and uh, by contrast their follow up did not Um, and I think uh, you know so this this guy this first song Too Ugly for New York is like it's got sort of a little bit of garage crunch to it but like um, it's it's really it's a it's a pop gem it's a straight up rock song yeah. yeah It's sort of like uh, jump-starting by Deer Tick or something. Yeah, it just, just it feels kid. familiar. Mm-hmm, immediately. Uh, well, I'm going to round out this with uh, my uh, um, new discovery uh, or, you know, recently dropped album, Jamila Woods' Legacy Legacy. Um, Jamila Woods has been sort of on the um, cusp of becoming big, although it, it seems like she keeps herself way too busy to concentrate on music. She's a sort of, you know activist um she has done guest spots on chances record saba does guest spots on this um but it you know it seems like she's got a lot more going on than just the musical piece but it looks like uh she's channeled a lot of the social activism and and um god maybe even studies into this record uh but it doesn't feel like at all like homework it's um Although the the song titles do read a bit like a syllabus, uh, every song is is named for somebody she admires historically. There's songs called Frida, Eartha, Basquiat, um, Sonia, and but they they they're it's a really catchy R and B record that reminds me a lot of uh, I and Jerry you could probably 
um, peg the time frame better than I can, but like when Erica Badu and and most deaf were were first you know coming into focus, yeah, sort of <clears throat> early two thousands. Like yeah, I always thought it was sort of late late nineties, but um, it's you know it, it's got like that sort of there's a jazzy feel to it that doesn't feel like you know it's too reliant on you know music on the musicianship if you know what i mean i mean it, they're the song the the music's there to support the songs rather than the song is there for the musicians to to sort of make their name and it's really uh sounds a lot like beat poetry and it sounds a lot like i'm trying to chase you guys away from listening to this but uh <laughs> it's really really well written and and really cool i really like it a lot um and, you know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about it when we were talking about Vampire Weekend. There's never, ever been a, a profile written on Vampire Weekend that doesn't mention the fact that they went to Columbia. Uh, Jamila Woods will have the same um, sort of fake because she has a similar pedigree. She went to Brown University. Um, and I don't think that will be fail to be mentioned. But it does. Uh, it so, is used so to, to make <laughs> such a different point, um, which is that this is, you know, highly intellectual music boiled down to, to you know, really um, good songs and, and strong, uh, you know, music. But uh, it, it's just funny. I, I went back and tried to remember some of the more major artists that were Ivy League educated, and, and I think Jamila Woods will be much more in the in the ballpark of, like, a Bonnie Raitt, Mary Chapin Carpenter, John Legend, who sort of get credit for going to an Ivy League school, and it, it sort of... Uh, you know, sort of um, burnishes their bona fides rather than a um, vampire weekend where it's always sort of like, ugh. Like held against them. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's because, yeah, I mean, it's partly, it's partly because they are getting credit for being smart. Vampire weekend was getting dissed for being preppy. Um, which yeah. was part of the, I mean, they knew that that was, you know, that was part of the image. Yeah. They, but they, they played it, they leaned into that so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. It was smart. <laughs> it worked. No, um, it worked. It was funny. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I would add, uh, you know, w- one group, for instance, though, that you never hear about being from Brown was, is Sophie Tucker. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because I, he gives a shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, you do go back and it, it is always like, it's mentioned in every Weezer, every uh, oh God, yeah. you know Galaxy Five Hundred Luna uh, profile that was ever done, and it's just an interesting little sidelight of, of things that people can't ignore. But in this case, um, you know there is there does feel like a little bit of a art history and English lit syllabus uh, given the given the names and the and the really the writing in the songs. I mean, it's a very sort of in the same way that like Lauren Hill could be very wordy in a sort of speak rap kind of way, there's you know there there is like a sing speak kind of piece to this, which is I don't know. Check it out. I think you guys yeah, really like um, it. Wow, you really panned that thing, huh? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I, I yeah. love it. I Drunk, really can't yeah, tell let's, because uh, let's listen to you, it. you basically just told me that it was like an art history lecture. So um, I will. No, but you love school. <laughs> yeah, I know. And You're going back to school. I, I didn't. I didn't think that sounded interesting. And I love school. Um, yeah. So uh, well, I the, will... the record's better than I than I'm uh, articulating. <laughs> well, you are. No, you are being very articulate about it. I just. Um, it's interesting when like, and I know what you mean. I've been. I, I've been there before. Where like you, you end up. You have all these takeaways or all these points of reference that it reminds you of. None of them are good, but you like it anyway. Yeah, no. um, None of them are. Yeah, if I can, lo- if I can lard this up with with more 
uh, intellectual baggage and then tell you that it's a really good pop record. So you have to listen yeah. to it. Yeah. It's like, smell this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's, anyway. let's, let's pick a track, Win, and, and uh, let's take a listen. If I run, 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 would you, 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 come and see, 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 see me? Because I'm not the one to say, say, up here just to wait. If I run, 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 would you, 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 come and see, 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 see me? Because I'm not the one to say, say, up here just to wait. Welcome back to Brother, 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 uh, and we are going to wrap up this podcast the way we wrap up every What Are You Listening To podcast, which is by adding songs to our playlist. Uh, so, Jeremy, what would you like to add to the 10,456,000 best songs of all time? All right. Well, uh, I'm going to add one um, that is redeeming redeeming artist from uh, some of the the songs I had to listen to this weekend and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ariana Grande and Iggy Azalea's Problem which I think is probably Ariana Grande's best track still. I love that song. So good. Wyndham? It's really good. Um, I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine as I frequently do. Um, I did a uh, playlist for my friend Evie Day's uh, Breaking the Glass Ceiling opening this week and I couldn't help but play on words uh, by including Blondie's Heart of Glass, one of the best songs ever. Yeah, another gem. That is a great choice. Um, I am going to step in the Wayback Machine, though not quite as far back, um, and add uh, All That Money Wants by the Psychedelic Furs. Nice. Cool. All right. right. Well, this was fun, you guys. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out these albums. You you just dropped some serious PhD-level wisdom on, Wyndham. Um, Oh, uh, (laughs) thanks. Closest I'll ever come to a graduate degree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, I will talk to you guys next week Take it easy All right, thanks Thanks. guys I'm Wyndham Lewis On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis Thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast Many thanks also to our heroic producer Damian Kendall And to Simon Doom for our epic intro music Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com Follow us on Twitter and Facebook And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes Thanks again for listening